Mari Reesberg. For the past several years, I've combined my degrees in acting and somatic psychology to share my sustaining creativity techniques with performers. And now I've decided to share it with a bigger audience that includes you. I believe we are all creative and this podcast is all about that. I'll be interviewing people from all backgrounds, ages, and creativity experiences to share just how creative we all are. Today, I'll be chatting with Kim Sorrell, entrepreneur, author, and speaker. Please enjoy Kim Sorrell. Welcome to the Sustaining Creativity Podcast. Today, I am here with Kim Sorrell, entrepreneur, director of a humanitarian organization, author, and speaker. Welcome to the podcast. Mari, thank you so much for having me. I've been so looking forward to this. Wonderful. I am so looking forward to this conversation as well. But before we dig into creativity and creative experiences, why don't you take a couple of minutes and let our listeners know a little bit more about who you are and what you do? Okay. Well, um, I do several things, which is a little crazy, but um, I grew up in a family of crazy people. So apparently I come by it naturally. But uh <laughs> I am a mom, a grandma. Um, those are my most important roles probably in life. And then uh, I started my first business when I was 18 years old and have started other businesses, sold most of them at the beginning of this year. And uh, I've written a couple books and I speak and just whatever. I feel like my whole life is a creative journey. Oh my gosh. I love it. And I love that you have so many things. I imagine parenting and grandparenting is also a creative endeavor. <laughs> you better be creative if you want to survive it. I'll tell you right? that. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. And you've written a couple of books and you speak. Could you share a little bit about like, what are the topics that you tend to speak about and what do you write about? Yeah. Well, my first book, I was diagnosed with breast cancer and went to the bookstore and everything was either medical or scary. And I didn't, didn't want either of those. And I thought, well, what does it feel like? I want to know what it's really like to have breast cancer. Do I have choices? Do I just do what the doctors say? I didn't know. I knew nothing. So Mm -hmm. I started writing as a way to update family and friends, but it was much more than that. And before I knew it, 5,000 people were reading what I was writing every day. And then four months into my diagnosis, my husband was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer and passed away six weeks later. Oh my goodness. And so I was still going through my stuff. So I continued to write through that. I wrote for about a year mm-hmm. and uh, cry until you laugh is the name of that book, because mm. that's really what you have to do because mm-hmm. you, you have to be able to laugh again. Yeah. And then my second book, Uh, Losing my husband made me question the true meaning of love. It seems to be this mystery, right? Mm -hmm. You know, songs are written about it, movies, everything is about love. You see love everywhere, but what is it really? And so Mm -hmm. I took a year, I dedicated a full year to figuring out the true meaning of love. And mostly I was in Haiti Mm -hmm. when I was doing it. And that was an adventure. 
I was chased by a motorcycle gang. I, so it's not a rainbows and lollipops kind of a love book. It is the real things that happen to bring yeah. me to the discoveries. And, and uh, so it's, it's funny, but hopefully pretty enlightening. I sure learned a lot, changed my life. And the name of that book is love is. Mm-hmm. And uh, so those are my, my books. Nice. And Yeah. I love that it's not all, as you said, rainbows and lollipops. It's real. Like these are the real human experiences that you have and how you navigated them and ways I'm sure creativity showed up in not succumbing to a motorcycle gang or (laughs) getting out of that situation. I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Well, with all of these experiences, I imagine you have some idea of what creativity is, but what would you say it means to you to be creative? Like, what does it mean to be creative to you? Uh, to me, being creative means you you don't just go with stock answers, mm. but you look for other ways to get things done, mm-hmm. other ways to live, other ways to exist, other ways to find happiness, yeah, other ways to invent yourself. Mm-hmm. but you don't just have to go with status quo nice yeah and it, I mean it sounds like that's how you live your life as well <laughs> wrote about your life and imagine discovered new things about yourself through your writing and sharing it with other people what do you think is one of the biggest things you discovered about yourself while you were in that writing process that I knew hardly anything about love that the mm. things that I was taught about love are not what love really is, that there are things that are said in the name of love done in the name of love called love that are not love. Yeah. And that, that uh, living love, living and giving love and living it the way it's meant to be mm-hmm. is the most freeing, joyous possible mm. way to live. That's amazing. I mean, just hearing you talk about the difference of what we think love is and then what love actually is and experiencing it. I'm so curious, like what, what is that experience of like full body love? You kind of touched a little bit on it, but I'm so curious for you. Cause I imagine it's different for everyone. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of it can be the same for everyone. Mm-hmm. How you live it out might be different, but if you know the what it really means, what love really is. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and untrain your brain from what you thought it was, you yeah. know, that a lot of it is that right with anything. If we've learned something the wrong way, bad habit or whatever it is. Right. right? But yeah, it's, uh, it was very interesting. So I took this 2000 year old poem that you hear at a lot of weddings. Love is patient. Love is kind. Does not mm-hmm. envy. Does not boast. I decided I would take one word a month and figure out, well, what is love that is patient? Is it different than patience? You know, what is love that is kind? Mm-hmm. And uh, I figured out quickly that it was going to take me longer than a year because there's 14 <laughs> is's and isn'ts of love in the book. Yeah. And so, you know, 14 months rather than 12. But every single word, when you put love is or love is not in front of any word or phrase, it changes the meaning completely. Yeah. So like, I I went into it thinking I would know, 
you know, mm-hmm. we know what patience is, right? You know, mm-hmm. we're not uh, stomping our foot because we're ready to go and we're not ready to go, right? You know, we're showing patience. Well, what I figured out though about love that is patient is that, first of all, I think you should just love everybody. Like <laughs> just, just love people, just love everybody. And love that is patient would say that you love the person you're with in such a way that you recognize that this is the most important moment of your life. Mm. what's in the past is in the past and what's in the future is yet to come this Mm. is the moment that is going to come and go with or without you Mm. and I'll tell you for me to be totally in the moment and totally focusing on somebody was very difficult because I would be thinking about a meeting I had later when I needed to stop and get to the grocery store who needed to go to soccer practice Mm -hmm. all the things that I needed to get done yet that day and thinking ah this person's kind of taking my time here you know whatever (laughs) And, but I would think that I heard, I, I thought I was a great multitasker mm-hmm. and I could focus on the conversation at the same time. But the truth is I couldn't, yeah. I was wrong. And so to be completely focused, to be completely here in the moment, the most amazing, beautiful things happen, like your ears open mm. and you no longer assume what somebody's going to say. You actually listen to what right. somebody's going to say. You end up finding out things that you would not find out otherwise Mm. when you truly engage and, and listen to people. Yeah. That present moment being really mindful of what is happening right here, right now. I mean, what a gift, not only to give yourself, but someone else as well in that moment. Yeah. 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 It's a beautiful way to show love. I mean, and, and that's just the first of 14. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I'm sure (laughs) in navigating all 14 of them, you kind of, I imagine bumped up against some challenges or things that like didn't agree with you, or you had to tease apart a little bit more, but I'm curious, what are some of those kind of creative challenges that you faced? And then how do you face challenge in your life? Well, uh with this, everything was a creative challenge because it had never <laughs> been done before. Right? right. Yeah. And so, you know, so I was winging it, you know, mm-hmm. it's just figuring it, figuring it out as I went. And every month it took me till the end of the month. I kept thinking, when am I going to figure this out? Because it seems so simple. <laughs> uh-huh. So I had to come up with some creative ways to try to figure things out and, and really look at it and, and make it work, I guess. And mm-hmm. so, uh, one of the times I had to be very creative mm-hmm. was uh, um, there's a, a phrase that says that love keeps no record of wrongs. Mm. And I was working on it. Work, I'm like, well, what does that even mean? Because we might forgive people, but we don't forget. Mm-hmm. I mean, we live life. I mean, it's not like we forgive someone and, and our memory goes away. Yeah, We remember the things that happened to us, right? Mm-hmm. So I'd been asked by this group of men from the United States to show them a water project I was working on in Haiti. Mm -hmm. And so there were eight men that came from the U S and I brought two Haitian friends who also happen to be men with us to translate. And they'd been working on the project and we went out to the countryside where we were staying and we got there and it was just a small building with two rooms and each room had four twin size beds, eight Mm -hmm. American men, two Haitian men, me. But we brought a couple of cots and an air mattress and there was some room in the room. So I thought, we're, we're fine. We'll be okay. Well, the head of the American men pulled me over. Kim, Kim, can I talk to you? I'm like, sure. And he said, 
did you see the rooms? And I'm thinking, buddy, there's nothing else to see. This is a little place. What are you talking about? And then I went, oh, he's going to think I want my own room. So I'm going to say, well, it's okay. I'll sleep outside. And he'll say, no, no. If anyone should sleep inside, it should be you. And I'll say, well, I don't care if there's other people in the room. And he'll go, good, because there's only so much space. So I said, oh, it's okay. I'll sleep outside. And he said, oh, good, good. Because we've got men on this trip that would not want to sleep with a woman in their room. Katie is hot. What is possibly going to happen with a bunch of people in a room? I wear pajamas. Like, what is going to happen after dark? And it is pitch dark in Haiti. Like, I don't know what they imagined, but I said I would do it. So I had to get creative. I had to yeah. figure out, how am I going to sleep outside? <laughs> and I saw this piece of plywood. And it was sort of held up by these two wooden structures, kind of. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, if I sleep under that, at least I won't get wet. Mm-hmm. So the first night, blew up the air mattress, put it underneath, crawled into bed. The air mattress held air for about an hour. And then no. I was sleeping <laughs> on gravel. And it was so loud because dogs were barking and barking and horns were honking and mm-hmm. honking. And then finally that died down midnight, 1 a.m. And then 2 a.m., the voodoo drum started in the distance. And that went for a couple hours. And then finally things calmed down. I was finally able to sleep. Well, I was so afraid of something maiming me, dismembering <laughs> me, you know, attacking me. I mean, there's tarantulas and snakes and mm-hmm. chupacabras or whatever is lurking in the bushes of Haiti. I don't know. And so, so I was scared. I was afraid. So I slept on my back thinking that would be the easiest way to get up and run if I had to get up and run from anything, whatever that would be. So I uh, went to sleep the first night, got a couple hours of sleep, woke up. It was uneventful. Nothing happened. I was Mm -hmm. glad. Second night, same thing. No air in the air mattress, dogs and horns and voodoo drums. Finally, I'm asleep. But I woke up because there was something on my leg. Mm. And I thought, oh, my word, does Haiti have the anti-venom to whatever is about to bite me? You know, am I going to get airlifted to Miami in time to save my life? What is this going to be? And so I slowly lifted my head and I slowly opened my eyes. And it was a chicken. It was a chicken on my leg. And I didn't know whether to be mad because it woke me up from the little bit of sleep I was getting. Or right. It was a chicken and not something worse. Right. <laughs> so I shoot it away. Well, the third night came and went just fine. Fourth night. Same thing. Dogs, horns, voodoo drums, finally sleeping again. I woke up because again, there was something on my leg. Oh my goodness. And again, I was trembling. I was scared to death. And I slowly lifted my head. And again, I slowly lifted my eye, opened my eyes. And again, it was the dang chicken. And again, (laughs) I didn't know whether to be mad or happy. So I shoot it away. And, but the good news is we had chicken that night for dinner. (laughs) So the fifth night came and went without incident. I was just fine. And I'll tell you, at first I was mad. I was kind of angry at these guys, kind of bitter. Yeah. I was like, man, I hope my sons wouldn't treat a woman like that. Mm. Like, I mean, I'm all about equality, but I'm still a woman, mm. right? I'm still a human being. I was felt like I was being treated as subhuman. You know, mm-hmm. you sleep outside. You meet yeah. your person. You go sleep outside, right? Mm-hmm. And and to have all these men and not one of them say, gosh, maybe Kim could sleep inside, you know, whatever. But so at first that was my attitude. Like I was like, what are they thinking? Mm -hmm. And then 
I remembered that I was working on love doesn't keep a record of wrongs. And then it finally occurred to me what it meant. Mm. So, so what love doesn't keep a record of wrongs means, of course, we don't forget the things that happen to us, but the narrative changes. Mm-hmm. Instead of, oh my gosh, these rotten guys and this horrible thing that they did to me. Yeah. It's this funny thing that happened. And now I could literally sleep anywhere in the world and be perfectly comfortable. <laughs> yeah. So it's just the mood. It's the story that changes because we get to decide that, right? We Absolutely. Decide our own stories. So yeah. yeah. I yeah. love it. I love the story and the challenges and how you shift things and how we can see things through a different lens and change our mindset and our relationship to how we look at something. And yeah, I mean, so much creativity goes into that. And you know, I I can hear in my own head myself getting more frustrated and like, oh, why isn't this happening? But it sounds like the capacity to really just surrender to the experience and learn what you can from it. I feel like that is such a creative journey and creative experience that we we forget that creativity can really show up in any situation, any area of our life and offer some joy or something's funny or something we're curious about something. So thank you so much for sharing that story. Yeah. <laughs> it's also, it sounds like you have a lot of things that give you inspiration or bring joy to your life, but who or what inspires joy today for you? Uh, I have a granddaughter who lives with me. She's 17 years old and her sister stays with me quite a bit too. She's 15. And those two girls, I'll tell you what, I've got 11 grandkids. They are all incredible and wonderful. I just happen to see these two more, a lot more often. Mm-hmm. But my 17-year-old granddaughter plays the viola. She is in a special orchestra in, in my city. I'm in Grand Rapids, Michigan. She's in St. Cecilia's Orchestra, which is a, it's a, its own gig that you have to try out for. She's mm-hmm. in her school orchestra. She is has art skills like mm-hmm. that are just, amazing the things that come out of her head and <laughs> onto a paintbrush and you know onto a canvas yeah. and uh just her life in general to me is just such an inspiration she just has such such great wisdom I mean she's 17 years old the other day we were putting our Christmas tree up because <laughs> you know of course right after Halloween it used to be after Thanksgiving but now apparently it's after Halloween you put your tree up I don't get it but whatever <laughs> Anyway, we were putting the Christmas tree up and uh, I used to call my husband Grinch because he could be a little bah humbug as I'm Christmas crazy, you know, mm-hmm. baking cookies and making things. I love to make gifts. If you have yeah. any good ideas for me, I'd take them, but I love to make gifts for Christmas. And uh, so we were putting up the tree and I had a Grinch ornament that I had given him years ago mm-hmm. and I dropped it and it broke. And I went, oh. That was Papa. They called him Papa. That was Papa's ornament. And this wise, beyond her years, 17 year old said, She said, Uma, you, Uma, they call me Uma, like Uma Thurman. Mm-hmm. I like that too. She said, Uma, you might lose things, but you don't lose the people. Mm-hmm. You always have the memories. I'm like, What was that? You're so right. Yeah. So, I know. So, yeah. So I draw a lot of creative. Mm from that girl. 
I love it. It's so, it's wonderful to have people in our lives that we bring us joy or we can share joyous moments with, even through pain or sadness or, you know, the breaking of an ornament that was meaningful and how we can continue to move forward and grow from it. But yeah, I seriously love all the stories that you're sharing. (laughs) They're, They're great. I mean, in being a speaker and an author and an entrepreneur and working with the multitudes of individuals that you have, I imagine you come across people who may not believe that they're creative or consider themselves to be creative. How would you encourage others to find creativity in their lives? You know, I think people put creativity in a box Mm. and they think that, well, you must have to be able to write songs or you must be able to paint like Picasso, or you must be able to write to be creative. You must be the greatest home decorator or, Mm -hmm. you know, something art, but creativity is so beyond art. Mm. It's, it's so much more than that. You know, it's, it's how you live your life. And I think people need to be released from the, the old thinking Mm -hmm. of what creativity is their, their old thinking, the box that they put themselves in. Right. Mm -hmm. And realize that, that they're probably being a lot more creative than they realize because (laughs) we have to be, to get through life. Right. I mean, we have to be creative. And, and then I think if they feel like, Oh, wow, creativity is so much more Mm -hmm. than art and music and, and dance and, and acting that creativity is, is something in your everyday that people would probably be more creative yeah. if they realize that they can be just, they don't have to paint. It's okay. Actually, yeah, it's, be artistic. it's okay. <laughs> yeah. What are those everyday issues that you've used creativity to solve? Well, even things like stuck in a traffic jam. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you can either be angry and let your blood pressure go up and, and honk the horn, or you can quick surf and gr- get a great podcast going because you're <laughs> yeah. stuck there anyway. So be creative and find something good to listen to, right? Like Absolutely. this particular podcast, for instance, would yes. be the best podcast to turn to <laughs> in the traffic jam. And then right? your blood pressure doesn't have to go up. It might even go down a little. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I love it. That's yeah. That's a great solution to a problem being stuck in traffic. And there are ways, there are solutions that creative solutions. I love it. Yeah. Well, it has been such a treat chatting with you. I just have one last question. What does it feel like in your body to be creative? Um, exciting. I would have to say mm-hmm. that uh, I I love a challenge, and most challenges are creatively solved. Yeah, and uh, so uh, I would say it feels natural and normal, <laughs> but also exciting and fun. I love it. I love that it feels natural and normal because I think it should be natural and normal that creativity is a part of our experience and existence and 
being. So thank you for reminding us of the normal and natural experience of creativity. Yeah. It's my pleasure. It's you're <laughs> wonderful. And I love your show. Thank you so much. Well, it's been a real treat getting to chat with you. If people want to learn more about your books and the other things that you do, how could they go about doing that? Yeah, well, um, my books are available on Amazon. My latest book, Love Is, mm-hmm. is available uh, in brick and mortar stores as well. And it's been an amazing journey, this love journey. Uh, mm-hmm. People are buying it for everybody for Christmas. You know, I mean, it's a pretty inexpensive gift, but it's giving the gift of love. Like it's a whole yeah. different life. I, I, I did everyone's homework for them. Mm. Nobody else has to go spend a year in Haiti to figure <laughs> out the meaning of love. Cause I wrote it all down. <laughs> and so, you know, it, and people are using it like, uh, there's families that are being very creative and, uh, that are giving it to all their adult children. Mm. and who live all over the country or the world. And then they're doing a monthly Zoom and talking about a chapter and, oh. and what it means. I, isn't that cool? Yeah. So companies that are buying it for staff and having a monthly meeting, I mean, it's, it's, it's going crazy. And I'll tell you, if we get this love thing going, the world's going to be a different place. So Kim Sorrell, dot uh, com is my website. My last name's ridiculous. Way too many letters. Two R's, two E's, two L's. S O R R E L L E. Who's ever going to remember that? But I am literally the only Kim Sorrell in the world spelled my way. But you can also get to my website at loveis.info. Mm-hmm. A little bit easier to remember. But uh, Google me. I'm on social media. I'm everywhere. I love to connect with people. Love to be a part of things. Love to do workshops and teach people about love. So if anybody needs speaker, workshop, leader, uh, retreat, want to want to go on a retreat, I've got one planned in Australia, another one in California. So uh, there's nice. going to be some fun stuff. So anyway, yes. Awesome. Well, thank you. I will put all of that in our show notes so people have easy access, can find the links there. And thank you again so much for taking the time to chat with me about creativity. It has been a pure pleasure. The pleasure I'm for me too. It's been a pure pleasure talking to you. So thank you so much. You are so welcome. Thanks for listening to the Sustaining Creativity Podcast. We'd love to keep in touch. So follow us on Facebook and Instagram. We are at Sustaining Creativity. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Tag your friends and family so they can listen too. We love to hear from you. So leave your reviews, comments, and questions. Check out our website, sustainingcreativity.com for upcoming offerings and creativity coaching. Tune in Tuesdays for our next episode. And remember, with creativity, anything's possible.